The Supreme Court's term came to a close today, and it ended with two of its most anticipated rulings, in two cases about President Trump's finances. We have breaking news from the Supreme Court. By a vote of seven to two, the Supreme Court has said that the president is not absolutely immune from a state grand jury criminal process. The Supreme Court has decided in favor of the Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance, who was seeking financial documents regarding the president's business and personal financial empire. This is a legal defeat for the president, but it may be a practical victory. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, July 9th. Coming up on the show, the legal fight over the president's financial records and what it reveals about the limits of presidential power. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. The cases the Supreme Court decided today attracted so much attention, in part because the president's finances have been such a black box. Here's Brent Kendall, who covers the Supreme Court. There's been so much interest in and mystery around the president's finances, his business empire, and the details of what all that looks like. As everyone knows, the president had promised to release his tax returns and never did. And I'm under audit, a routine audit. And when the audit's complete, I'll release my returns. I don't know when that's going to be, but when the audit is complete... He and his supporters tout him as this wildly successful businessman. I'm really rich. I'll show you that in a second. His critics have their doubt, and there hasn't really been a whole lot of information out there for people to assess exactly who he is, what he's done, and how successful he's been. And so these cases, in a sense are kind of a a proxy for this both political and legal fight that have sort of been hanging over the president since even before he was elected. The two cases the Supreme Court decided today threatened to crack open that black box. The first case came out of Congress. Congress has the ability to demand information from the White House. The idea is that Congress serves as a check on presidential power. Recently, congressional Democrats have used that power to try to find out a range of things about President Trump, including whether he committed any campaign finance or ethics violations. Several different congressional committees have sought out information on Trump through subpoenas, demanding years of financial records from his accountants and bankers. The president sued to block those requests. The question the court decided today Do those bankers and accountants have to hand the documents over? The justices first heard arguments in this case in May, and because of the coronavirus, it was over the phone. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, 
I would like to jump right in and address... The question they're answering goes to sort of the fundamental questions of how our government is set up, which is, when we elect a president, how much power do we give him and who has the ability to check him? Richard Rubin covers taxes and was following the proceedings. Is it Congress also elected? Is it the Supreme Court? A lot of times the Supreme Court wants to be like, no, 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 it's not our jam. Like, you guys are elected, you all figure this out. And so... That's why it matters. It matters because in this bigger picture, beyond just will we get to see any clear sense of what this president's finances are, it goes to the question of how powerful an executive do we have when we elect someone to be president. So how did the lawyer for the House committee make the case that Congress does have the power to get these financial documents? Their argument is... They're elected to oversee what the executive branch does. And there's a long history of congressional oversight that goes back to the Washington administration, where he was turning over documents in response to requests. So their argument is part of Congress's job is oversight. The court said specifically that that one of the reasons that's okay is because we have congressional oversight of the president. And Congress needs to be able to get the documents it needs to oversee the performance of the administration and consider potential changes in law. And that the president shouldn't be able to, just by saying no, to stop that from happening. And can you explain the president's defense in the Supreme Court to this? Their defense has been in part that Congress has overstepped its bounds, that Congress, there's got to be some sort of limit on congressional investigations, that Congress just can't go fishing for documents, and in part that the president sort of can't be burdened with extensive document requests. Well, there's an obvious uh, problem with respect to harassment and infringement upon the ability of the executive to discharge his duties. But in general, that Congress is trying to embarrass the president. This is overly political. This is not part of their legislative function. It comes down to how far Congress can go. What limits are there on what documents Congress can force the administration to turn over? Today, the court didn't decide on a clear winner. Instead, it sent the case back to the lower courts. Here's Brent. The court made pretty clear that it was not at all satisfied with either President Trump's position, which the court said would really neuter Congress and make it harder for the legislative branch to do investigation, while also being equally dissatisfied with Congress's position here and said, look, you know, lawmakers, you're under the belief that you can just get almost anything you want under the sun. And we really do need to give more scrutiny here to make sure that these requests are targeted and limited and that these don't harass the president or become overly burdensome on him. So in some ways, that case ended up as kind of a draw. So in some ways, this was a bit of a letdown. I would say it's a bit of a letdown in terms of practical impact. The congressional cases had the potential, had Congress won, to get some of these records or at least an idea about what they say out in the public more quickly. And it's hard to know at this point whether Congress is going to get any, some, all of these records that it is seeking. And the one thing we do know is that it's extremely unlikely that they're going to get any of them before the election in November. But the other case the court decided today wasn't nearly so anticlimactic. It's hard to overstate the importance of the Vance case. The Vance case. That's after the break. 
How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work? Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The other case the Supreme Court decided today didn't have to do with Congress and what it can and can't do. It was a little more straightforward. In the Vance case, what we have is a criminal investigation. You have prosecutors specifically looking into whether the president has violated state law. You probably already know something about this case. During the 2016 election, two women, Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels, claimed that they'd had sexual relationships with Trump and received hush money payments in advance of the election. Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, has already pleaded guilty for violations related to this. And so the question now is whether the president himself has committed a crime and how those payments were made, how they were recorded, and whether they've basically been hidden or laundered in ways that violate state law. To answer this question, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office subpoenaed the president's accountants for financial records, including tax returns, going back years. So what's the bigger legal question that is at stake here? Like, why did the Supreme Court take up this case? I mean, look, it's not every day that a sitting president gets investigated for committing a crime. It's not every day that you have state prosecutors who are looking to investigate the president while he's in office. And so this clash in and of itself sort of raises important issues and will set important ground rules for what kinds of rights the president has, how far those extend, how much he has to comply with the same sort of criminal processes that any other citizen in the United States would have to comply with while he's in office. So when the court heard this case in May, what was the argument that the president's lawyers put forward for not having the accountants hand over these documents? They argue that basically that he's immune to these subpoenas, at least while he's in office. The president cannot be investigated right now. Temporary presidential immunity is constitutionally required by Article 2, and accordingly, the Supremacy Clause defeats any authority the DA has under state law, as to the president. And what did the district attorney's lawyer argue? Well, I mean, their argument in a nutshell is that there's just no precedent or basis in law for saying that an investigation of the president should be completely shut down while he's in office. Under our Constitution, when a president acts as a private individual, he or she has responsibilities like every other citizen, including compliance with legal process. In particular... This court has long held that American presidents are not above having to provide evidence in response to a law enforcement inquiry. 
And it was the court's decision in this case today that drew a lot of attention. So top line, what did the court decide in the Vance case? The Vance case was a lot clearer and a lot more of a straightforward and fairly sweeping loss for the president. The court basically sided with New York prosecutors on all their basic arguments. Trump responded to the ruling on Twitter this morning, saying that he would keep fighting. He said courts in the past had given presidents, quote, broad deference. But, he said, in all caps, not me. The Manhattan DA called the ruling a, quote, tremendous victory for the idea that no one, not even the president, is above the law. And what struck you about the court's argument? Off the bat, I mean, what's striking about it is the chief avoided a five to four decision. You know, the overall vote is seven to two, including having both of Trump's nominees to the Supreme Court on board, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. And was that surprising to you that Kavanaugh and Gorsuch ruled the way that they did? Yes and no. The sort of conventional wisdom, and it's been shown through history some of the time, is that Supreme Court justices, it's particularly difficult for ones who have to rule against the person who just appointed them. And so in that sense, there was a lot of focus on the both of them and a lot of question marks about where they would end up. Nevertheless, I mean, for a lot of people, they thought that the New York case was sort of a cleaner, clearer case than the congressional case and that the president had a lot steeper hill to climb here because, you know, past precedents had not sort of created or established the sort of absolute immunity he was seeking. And what does today's ruling mean, practically speaking? Like, what documents are going to be released and who's going to see them? Well, so for now, no documents are going to be released right away. That's because the court only ruled on one question, whether the president was immune from the state DA's subpoenas. But there are still other arguments the president's lawyers could make for why his records shouldn't be released. And if they make those arguments... This could drag on in the lower courts for a long time. So for people waiting for a fuller view of Trump's finances, the wait continues. What do today's rulings say about presidential power? I think the court tried to strike a balance here. On the one hand, acknowledging that presidents have broad power and that they need a lot of room and freedom to operate without unnecessary distractions. At the same time, they announced important limits on how broad that power is. You know, a criminal case where you have prosecutors doing a job of looking into whether laws have been broken, that even the president of the United States, even while he's in office, has to abide by that same process just as everybody else. That's all for today, Thursday, July 9th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.